Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. changing blood. What a privilege to be in church this morning. I'm glad this is how you have decided to start the very first Sunday of this new year, and that is to be in the house of the Lord, to magnify and to worship his name. He alone is worthy of our praise. And so let's give God the best of everything we have today. You're already here. The hardest part's behind you. You made it. (laughs) You made it. Amen. And so let's just give God our very, very best. I want to ask you to join me again in the book of Proverbs. We've been here for several services. We're going to chapter number 3, read verses 9 and 10, and uh, pray that the Spirit and the presence of the Lord will just move in our midst here this morning. Amen. I think it's already been stated, Brother. Osborne mentioned a moment ago, it's important how we begin because we're setting the trajectory of our year. And so I, I don't want to enter into this service kind of haphazardly or without any good feeling of a sense of direction. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about something very important today. And uh, certainly when it, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to starting our year, the book of Proverbs 3 Verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. And then verse number 10 says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In Scripture, you're familiar perhaps with most uh, of these instances are illustrations or along the lines of agriculture. And, uh, and so we understand that there is a principle here and not just talking about um, that, our, that our presses would burst forth with new wine or that our barns would be filled with corn. There's a principle here and that principle is what I want to talk to you this morning about and I pray that God will just touch our heart with his word, let there be a brand of fire. I think about the experience of Isaiah and I think about the experience of Jeremiah, how that both of them were touched with a coal of fire from off of the altar and their lives were forever changed. And we have that opportunity right here, right now. Amen. Let the Lord just brand our heart, touch us with a coal from off the altar this morning. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord and, uh, Let's make this journey together. I can think of no better way to begin the new year than making sure that we have our priorities in order. Um, I'm sure for most, many if not most, uh, we've been diligently trying to prepare to close out 2015, welcome 2016, and uh, so you know, you're, you're probably taken care of, maybe already have. I've taken care of all my file folders at home that have all of our 2015 information in it, have that already in a, in a box, boxed up. Those folders now are empty, waiting, just awaiting all of the business and the, and the, the goings on of 2016. Just want to make sure we're ready. Want to make sure that we're ready. Let's close this out, bid it farewell. But with open arms, with open arms, let's welcome a new year. And so I think it's important that we have our priorities set. And uh, with that, I want to talk to you this morning about our first fruits. And uh, I want you to understand that we're going to talk about many different things when it comes to first fruits. Sometimes our minds just wander as far as our pocketbook 
and stop there. And that's a part of it, and that's a part of our lesson today. But there are many things that we need to give God the first of. Amen. I don't want God to be secondary in my life. And I'm going to tell you that a lot of effort has been made again this year. And you're going to hear a little bit more about those efforts in our second service. But a lot of effort has already been made, gone into the planning and preparing for this church in 2016. There is a concerted effort of prayer and not just our 30 days of prayer in the month of January. But we're talking about praying, committing families, committing every month to specifically. And that's not asking a lot, just once a month. Amen. We hope to do this every day, every day. But we want to make sure that, that on our, that on our pro- progress through the, that as we progress through this, uh, that someone in, someone's name, we're, we're committed to this. We're going to pray for our church and uh, we're going to pray for the leadership of our church. And uh, we want to make sure that, that we give God the very best. And, and along these lines, it has just been pressed in my heart so many, so severely for the last several days. And, and I'm not as, as acting as though I never had thought of this or never tried to do this. But there's just been a, a pressing in my spirit to make sure that I give God the best. The best of me, the best of me. Not just what's left over at the end of the day of me, but I want to give God the very best of me. And whatever service it may be, I want to give God my all. Not half-heartedly, not just aiming towards something, but to just focus in on that. I want to give God my very best. I, I, remember, um, I remember one time my wife told me years ago, and I'm not saying this to out her or embarrass her. She was really right about this. She said, you know, sometimes I feel like that all I get of you is just what's left of you. And, uh, and, and you know, she had me dead to rights. Because when I got in at the end of the day, what she had was just a bone that had already been well gnawed. <laughs> and so I had to make some intentional changes and alter my schedule and alter a few things so that because you know what she deserved more than just what was left of me and uh, so I'm not talking about her negatively or uh, trying to talk about me negatively or positively we're just saying that that was a wake-up call and so with that I don't want to just give God what's left I want to give God the very best. I want to be at my at my freshest. That's what I want to give to God. I've took, taken a little bit longer in my introduction, so let's get underway here. Because how we use our resources, uh, our attitudes toward our resources, I believe either honors God or dishonors God. It's all in our spirit, in our attitude about that. And so first fruits are vital. And first fruits are very, very telling. What we give what we give is very, very important because how we give it is an indicator of the spirit in which we give it. And so I don't want to reluctantly worship. I don't want to half-heartedly worship, but I want to give God everything that I can and give it in the best fashion that I can. And so through our response, we either show God the gratitude that we really have in our heart for what he has done for our lives or we reveal that other side. If we want to honor God and, and show our gratitude, then I think that we need to use wisdom with the resources that God has given to us and, and brought uh, our way. Proverbs gives some very keen insight how that we ought to, there's some principles here that we're going to talk about, how that we ought to show gratitude through the, the, the giving and the principles of first fruits. Amen. It's right there. I'm going to give this to God. I want to make sure that this is the very best. Amen. How many, let me just say it this way, and not necessarily asking for a show of hands, just your guilt will be enough. But how many, how many of us, how many of us have said, well, I, I, I don't have time to pray this morning, but I'll pray later. And then later, and then I'll pray before I go to bed. And then before you know it, we've already laid down and, and already got the cover all pulled, everything just right, all 16 pillows right in place. And then we, then we remind ourselves, I didn't pray. And then what we say was, well, I'll, I'll get it in the morning. 
or if we do get up, what God gets from us is just what's left over. It's just something that we're trying to rush through. And so, and so we caught, caught a lot of our foot in that door, didn't we? And in, including mine. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 clearly states that the incredible blessing of honoring God of our first fruits. He talks about this blessing, that sure blessing that comes. You see, these ancient people that Solomon was writing to uh, believed that since God had given them the best of his love, then they want, wanted to, in return, give God the best of what they had. Now, in those days, they had very little money, and so they traded or they bartered in food. And so when they made an offering to God, they generally gave food. And so that's why you see all of these references as such in Scripture. They believed that food offerings that truly honored God were not just any old offering or any old grain or any old fruit, but it would be the grains and the vegetables that they picked first. Therefore, that's why these are called the first fruits. And so we're going to give God the very best. I'm going to give that very first. And so the first of these first fruits that I want to talk to you this morning about is the first fruits of our heart. And so if we are to consider first fruits of all, then we need to consider the heart. I've been talking about the heart in the last several services in these weeks because I believe that God is speaking something to us as a church that we need to get this right, make sure our heart is right. Because at the core of every true act of worship, at the very center of every work of ministry or every acceptable act of worship is a heart that is close to God. If it is pure, if it is true, if it is real, then that is coming from a source that is close to God. In John fourteen twenty three, Jesus said, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Now, you don't need a commentary to figure out what Jesus was trying to say about that. If a man loved me, he will keep my words. Jesus was directly, directly correlating the love of the heart to the actions of the life. And so if, if we love something in our heart, then our lives are going to truly display that. Amen. Proverbs 23 and 26, Solomon writes, he said, My son... Give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. In writing Proverbs, Solomon is instructing, give me thine heart. Or in other words, he said, give me your undivided attention, undivided attention. I have a hard time talking to someone that I can't, I can not, not talking about talking to somebody on the phone, but if I'm talking to somebody, I want them to stop. Amen. Not because I feel I'm that important, but I just, it's just hard for, I, I would never be, I would never make it well in street ministry. That's for sure. Cause I can't hardly talk to a roving audience, but I just, just let's be still just a second. Let me say this. I want, I want you to be able to, I want you to be able to get this. I want to know that we, I want to see the whites of your eyes. And so Solomon was saying to his son, give me your undivided attention, your undivided attention. He understood that for any instruction to take place, there has to be the attention of the heart, not somebody that's just, yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah, 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 I got it. But somebody in their heart that is getting the word of the Lord because the heart is the seed of our passion. And so we need to give God our heart because what people are passionate about, that's what they give their attention to. That's, wh that's where their focus lies. And so when God has the first root of the heart, he has their undivided or my undivided attention. And so he desires the first root of the heart. Deuteronomy 6 and 5, we talk a lot about Deuteronomy 6 and 4, and that's important. But Deuteronomy 6 and 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Amen. The heart, the core, the center of our passions. I want that to be where my love for the Lord is stored. Not just in my mind, because things that are stored in my mind slip my mind sometimes. <laughs> yes, they do. Even important things slip my mind sometimes. That's why I want this at the center of my life and the core of my life. And so when God was com commanding Israel regarding uh, them following him, he began, he began with giving the giving of the heart. He knew something. He knew that where the heart would, was, the life would follow, wherever your passions are. 
your life will follow. The Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God understood that if we were going to serve him with our whole heart, that he would become our treasure, amen, and, would, and, and we would stay in his presence. So he said, if I can just get your heart, that's what I need because if I have your heart, then I will have the core of your treasure and you will abide in my presence. And so when we give God the first root of our heart, then we give him ultimately the control of our passions and our emotions. I'm giving God my heart. I'm giving God the thing that I'm emotional about, the thing that I'm passionate about. You know, uh, I get uh, I get somewhat, I find it a little bit humorous, that's probably the, not the correct word, about how some people feel about church and how church ought to be very stoic and very quiet and, and people that sit through church and they wouldn't think about raising an eyebrow for any any reason at all when the day before they may have said in some stadium somewhere screaming till there was no voice left over something that has no consequence whatsoever. And, and you can be as passionate about sports as you want to be. I, I'm not being critical of that, but I'm telling you, if you're going to be passionate about that, then we ought to certainly be passionate in the house of God. God wants the core of our emotions and the core of our passions. I want the Lord to know his word excites me. I, my, I, I've got to say amen every now and then. I've got to, something's, got to, something's just going to boil up out of me because our emotions, our, he wants control of our emotions and our passions because passions or emotions that have no control will always lead us astray. And so God wants to have control of our emotions and our passions. Many, many passages of Solomon's writings are dedicated to, to addressing the issue of passion and emotion. Solomon admonishes time and time again to avoid certain things, and Solomon ought to know. He, he talked about avoiding the promiscuous woman, the harlot, and the adulteress. In essence, he was warning uh, sending a warning, sounding a warning to guard, again, put a guard around our emotions and our passions. And so when we give God the first fruit of our heart, we're putting a guardrail in place. Amen. We're putting a bridle upon our emotions and our passions. I'm giving God the very first fruits of my heart because I don't want to be chasing this tomorrow, chasing that the next day chasing something else the day after or the week or the month after, but I want to give God the first fruits of my heart. I want church. Amen. Listen to me now. I want church. I want, I want coming to church, being in the house of God to be the, the first fruit of my heart. I'm giving this to God. Amen. That belongs to me. And when I get here, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be dragging around. I'm not going to be just lackadaisical. I'm not going to sit unimpressed and unmoved. I'm giving God the first fruit of my heart. I want the word of God to, I want to be passionate about that. I'm giving God the first fruit of my heart. I want his word to mean something to me, to be important to me. And so when we give God our passion, when we give God our emotions, we put a guard around our heart, a guardrail, so to speak, that will bridle our emotions and our passions. Amen. When you're in love with him, then you won't have room to fall in love with other things. I want to not just love him, but I want to stay in love with him. The second thing is I want to give God the first fruit of my mind. Proverbs 3 and 5. The Bible says, immediately after the writer says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, in Proverbs 3, 5, then he says, and lean not to thine own understanding. He's instructing us to give God the first fruit of our thought process. I want my mind to be stayed on Jesus. Amen. What's that old song? Somebody may need to help me. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. And so I want to get up every day with my mind on him. Let that be let that be the thing that I'm the most passionate about. Staying on him. He's instructing to give God the first fruits of our thought process. This is really what wisdom is all about. Now there are three different levels of intellect. I'll touch this very briefly, but the first would be knowledge. Now that's just the most basic level. Amen. That is simply just an awareness of a subject. 
or an awareness of a matter, knowledge. You, you get a little bit of knowledge just when you wake up in the morning. Just walking through the day. Just no matter what, that's just gained just by keeping your eyes open. That's just gained by living. Just some things come your way just because you're alive. And then the scripture uses another word. He talks about understanding. Understanding is a little bit deeper level of intellect. It's having an insight to why the subject or the matter is the way it is. And so it's taking a little bit closer look. It's taking something apart. It's not just holding it in your hand, but it's taking it apart to see how it functions and to have an understanding of it. Uh, I know that I had a great interest in that. When I was a child, uh, my mother would talk about me taking things apart, buying toys and taking things apart. I wasn't taking them apart to be destructive. I've always been curious how this thing works, what makes this thing go. And so that's what understanding is. It's gained through study. It's gained through experience. And then the third level of intellect is wisdom. This is the highest level. It is the application of right thoughts, the application of right words. In a spiritual sense, when we're talking about spiritual wisdom, this is not a level that can be taught. Amen. It can only come from the Lord alone. And so we have to give ourselves, we have to give ourselves if we are going to have wisdom. And James 1 and 5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally. And so if you need wisdom on a matter, we don't have to go buy a book on wisdom. We can simply, if we got the Holy Ghost, we can simply go into the presence of God, amen, and say, Lord, I need some wisdom here. I need you to anoint me. I need some help. Our mindset often affects the condition of our heart. Amen. And so we have to be very careful how we protect our mind, how we protect our mind. Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. And so whatever attitude develops in our heart, in our life, it first passes through the doorway of our mind. And so I've got to make sure, I've got to make sure that, uh, that, uh, that I keep my mind right. I got to make sure that that gate stays clean and pure. Amen. That's why we must actively guard our mind and keep it pure. I, I know it seems like I've just been hammering and hammering away at this in the last several services, but I'm telling you, amen, there has to be a voice in a pulpit somewhere crying out against sin and calling sin, sin. Amen. We have got to protect our mind. Because everywhere, every day, all around us, I'm not saying this to strike fear in your heart. I'm saying this to wake us up that everywhere, every day, every moment of every day, hell is bidding for our mind, our attention, amen, to change and to, and to tweak and to twist how we think. And so I've got to guard my mind. I've got to make sure that my mind stays pure. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 now, this is a very powerful scripture, a very tall order, but it can be done with the help of God, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And listen to this. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hey, you, you know, just like I am this morning, sometimes a thought just crosses your mind from out of nowhere. Anybody going to be honest enough to say amen about that? It's just, just like, where in the world did that come from? Well, the last thing we can afford to do is let something like that walk in with a suitcase. And don't start unpacking anything. You're going to walk right in and you're going to walk right back out. I'm going to bring that into captivity. I, I'm going to rebuke that. Amen. I'm not just trying to sound like a preacher today. I'm telling you, I got to rebuke that. I got to arrest that and say, well, well, not here. You can't come here and you can't dwell here. I've got to bring that thought, amen, into the obedience of Christ. Philippians 2 and 5, Paul said to the, to the Philippian church, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I know that's a real tall order, because Isaiah said his ways are not our ways. And they're higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our, our thoughts. And they're higher than our thoughts. But I believe with the help of the Spirit of God that God can help us 
think like he thinks. Amen. We may not initially think like he thinks, but I promise you the more we condition ourselves to think on his word, to think about things that are positive, you know, every one of us in this house, every one of us, especially given the fact that this is an adult class, every one of us in this house have enough negative things that we could talk about and think about until in just a few minutes all of us could be squalling. I'm not being cynical. I'm not being cynical at all. I'm being as real as the next breath you'll take. There are enough problems, pending peril. There's enough things going on in our life that if we were to just give ourselves to that, that we would be so down and so discouraged. But I'm gonna tell you by the same token that if we would turn that coin over and say, I wanna just think about the good things of the Lord. I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm not talking about being ignorant. I'm not talking about ignoring the realities of our life, amen, but we, but we have got to say, I am gonna stay focused on this. And so with a pen in his hand, Paul one more time addressed this Philippian church. He just said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then in Philippians 4 and 8, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is vital. This is critical. He's not talking about the power of positive thinking. He's not just trying to get us to to, to some, somehow pull ourselves into some bubble of positivity, amen, in a pretentious or false way. But what Paul is saying is there are some things that, that are virtuous. There are some things that are good. There are some things that are whole. And so I am just gonna think on these things. Several years ago, I heard another minister give this illustration of a, uh, an elderly pastor's wife and, and uh, she went into a restaurant and she spoke to a big old burly fellow that was standing there and he, she said, good morning. And he said, what's so good about it? And without even hesitation, she said, you just miss one of them, big boy, and you'll find out. <laughs> I mean, let's kind of get this thing snapped back into perspective. You just miss one, just one, and you may find out what was so good about this day. And so when we give God the first fruit of our mind, we are surrendering control of our thought process and ultimately we are also affecting the future of the condition of our heart. We talk about now the first fruit of our ways, the first fruit of our ways. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. The word ways simply means path or direction. In all thy ways, whatever direction, whatever path, acknowledge him. I need you today. This is a, I've never been here today. This is January the 3rd, 2016. I've never been here today. I, I need you to, I need you to help me in this way today. I, I want to, I want you to come with me, stand with me. Just, just mere moments before this service was turned over to me this morning, I asked the Lord one more time, one more time, God, I'm fixing to have to walk from that chair to that desk. I'm asking you to walk with me. I'm asking you to go with me. I'm not saying that to try to sound super spiritual. I'm telling you that is what I figured out after over three decades of ministry that I cannot and I had better not try to do this on my own. I need you to walk with me in all thy ways. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And so this is not about Steve Boyd that's coming to the pulpit today, but this is about, this is about the Lord directing my paths, directing my feet. Amen, that means directions or paths. And so we are to acknowledge him in whatever path we walk, whatever direction we face. Many times we begin to walk a path that is not the will of God for us. Now I need just some utter and absolute honesty here. All of us have been on a path that was not the will of God for us. It was the will of us for us. <laughs> but it was not the will of God for us. Amen. And this will happen throughout life. 
Whenever we fail to give God the first fruits of our ways, when we get us ahead of God, there is peace and prosperity and safety in being in the center of God will of God's will and walking in his ways. If I if I could just paraphrase this morning for you, first Kings chapter two and verse number four. We find the instruction here in the blessing of the house of David. And this is what the scripture says here. If David's children would take heed to their way, if David's children would walk before God in truth with all of their heart and with all of their soul, he will not fail, hear me, he will not fail to have one of his descendants perpetually on the throne of Israel. Amen. Just make sure that God goes with you. Amen. I will bless your feet. I will bless your path. And I will bless the path of your children. And I will bless the path of your children's children. Amen. I'm not talking about an irrevocable blessing. I'm talking about those that he said, if you'll just take heed to your way, if you'll just walk in the direction of the Lord, there's some prerequisites on our part. We can't just get blessed some generation ahead of us and we live ever how we want to live and God still just keeps us. No, 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 no. He mean, he said, you need to take, if they'll take heed of their way and if they'll walk before me in truth, if they'll walk before me with all their heart, with all their soul, then you're going to have somebody on that throne. Amen. There is something powerful released upon our lives when we walk in the way of the Lord. When a man's ways, Proverbs 16 and 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Amen. When your ways, when your ways, amen, please the Lord, then people that we really don't even want to like you, they, they may not like you, but they can be at peace with you. God said, I'm going to put peace. I'm going to put that there. Amen. The life of every spirit-filled believer, I believe, ought to be dedicated to following the ways of the Lord. Our ways are important. And so major decisions in our life have spiritual implications. No matter how natural, fleshly, worldly, or carnal, whatever word you want to put in there, our decisions may be because sometimes we just have to make earthly decisions. But major, even earthly decisions have spiritual implications. So hear me. This includes where we live. And if you're going to move, if you're going to move 150 miles away from the closest church, it's probably going to affect you spiritually. Amen. And so... Who we date, amen, if you date somebody that's not on the same page with you, amen, that's going to have implications spiritually after a while. Who you marry, amen, that's going to have implications after a while if you're not on the same page. So we need in all of our ways, in all of our ways, natural direction, we need to have the Lord with us. What we do for a living, amen, if we, if we take a job that keeps us out of church, if we take a job that keeps us away being able to even be around people in the church, that's going to affect us spiritually. Somewhere down the road, it's going to slow walk us down. How we invest our finances, if we are not careful about that, if we don't ask God to help us about that, that will affect you spiritually in time. So no matter how hard we try, we can't make wise spiritual decisions from unspiritual viewpoints. <laughs> we need God to help us. I need you to anoint my mind. I need you to help me, Lord. And so when God doesn't have the first fruit of our ways, then our decisions are not going to be and they could not be according to his will or his purpose. And so I gotta make sure that what I'm doing is going to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord and that it's gonna have a positive outcome to my spiritual walk. So when God doesn't have those first fruits, then our decisions and our ways and our lives ultimately will not be in the will of the Lord. Then we're gonna talk about the first fruits of our finance. God not only is concerned with the first fruit of our heart, not only does God care about the first fruit of our thoughts or our ways, but God is also concerned with the first fruits of our finances. The principle of giving back to God through the vehicle of the local church is a very important principle. Amen. This is not something that can be taught, really. I mean, I do teach on that. I'm going to teach on it right now. But in truth... This is a principle that needs to be practiced. That's why the Lord said, prove me. So you just try me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven 
and pour you out a blessing. And so beyond just hearing me today, I'm asking you to practice what we're talking about today, not what I'm talking about, but what the word of the Lord is talking about. And so the Lord said, prove me. A scriptural command to give the first fruits to the Lord. This began when the Lord commanded Israel in Exodus 23, 19. He said, the first fruits, the first fruits of thy land shall, be, shall thou bring into the house of the Lord thy God. And so Israel responded to this command to bring to the bringing of the first fruits. In Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 9 and 10, Deuteronomy 26 and 9, and he hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. In Second Corinthians, uh, Second Chronicles, excuse me, Second Chronicles chapter 31 and verse number 5, and as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all of the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. And so the first fruit involves the tithe and the offering. Now the tithe, of course, as many if not most of you know, the tithe is the 10% of our increase, and it's holy unto the Lord. And the Lord said to bring that, to bring that. Amen. Leviticus 27 and 30, the scripture says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. If we drop down to verse number 32, Leviticus 27, he said, concerning And concerning the tithe of the herd. Now verse 30 let me just pause right here in verse 30. Verse 30 t- talks about the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree. He said, that is the Lord's and it is holy. And in verse number 32, now he goes down concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. And so again, we have these agricultural examples because it's written, obviously, uh, to a people in a certain era, a certain time, but he's not just talking about bringing seed and he's not just talking about bringing fruit or he's not just talking about bringing cattle and sheep, but there is a principle that is involved. And I want to pause here at verse number 32 because there's an interesting phrase in that scripture. If you'll put that scripture back up there just a moment, verse number 32 in the middle of this scripture, we see this concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock. Even of whatsoever passes under the rod, a tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Amen. That that passes under the rod. I found this interesting that, that the herd would be placed, a man's herd, whatever it is, his cattle, sheep, whatever it may be, would be placed in a large pen. A narrow passage uh, at one portion of that pen with a single gate that would only allow one animal at a time. And the owner of this flock would have a rod in his hand. One end of this rod would have some sort of bristle on the end or a brush, whatever you want to call that. And it would be dipped in a dye or an ink, a red dye or a red ink. And then that man, the owner of that herd, as that gate opened one one at a time, would count that herd as it went out one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And he would brand, mark the tenth of that herd. And so whatever that, whatever that number ten was, that was God's. That belonged to him. Amen. And so I, I thought that was interesting. He wasn't saying, I'm, I'm just going to, let me get out all the crippled ones. Let me get out ones that just have one eye. Let me, let me do this one that has a little disease over here, but just put them all together. And as they pass by, this one is God's. This one is God's. This one is God's. Amen. So we need to be careful and understand that what God, what we have is, has been handed to us by God to begin with. It is not mine to hoard. It is not mine to keep. 
Amen. God has just made us the steward of those things. And then he watches. Then he watches what we are going to do with that that he has placed in our hand. Are we going to invest it in the right places? Are we going to hide it? Are we going to hoard it? Amen. And so we have to be very careful about how God has what, what we do with what God has blessed us to have. To not return a tithe or to not to bring an offering, according to Scripture, is to rob God. Malachi, Malachi asked a question that belongs to the ages. He said, will a man rob God? He said, yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithe and offerings. That's what the scripture says. This is far more than just a suggestion because of what, of what we read in the following verse. In verse number nine, he said, because you have robbed me, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Now, I think that's interesting that we would realize that he said, you didn't just rob me, but you robbed this nation. Amen. He said, you have robbed an entire nation. And so when we, to explain that, to bring that down to where we live today, when we do not bring our tithes and our offering, amen, we are stealing the provision. He was talking about a nation there, but if we could kind of bring it down to a, a level where we're all living and sitting here today, that when we don't bring our tithes and offerings into the church, we're actually taking away or stealing provisions from the church. Amen. The ministries of a local church would stagger and come to a stop if a congregation decided, I am no longer going to participate in first fruits. Amen. We, and after a while, we couldn't even pay the light bill. After a while, we wouldn't even be able to maintain this building. And so you see, you're not just robbing God, but we, we would be robbing a nation. And so should that happen, the church and the people who are positively affected by the ministries of a church would be robbed. I mean, just think about just one thing. What would happen if people, we could have a missions program, but what would happen if people didn't give to it? If people didn't support that, if they didn't give a free will offering from their heart, amen, think of the ministries that would be robbed and the people, just, just alone, the people of our, uh, this congregation support the missionaries around our world, uh, around the world globally and then our, our North American missionaries. Think about the support that would just stop right there. And so what a blessing it is to be willing and able to give. Amen. Just like there's a curse for not supporting the first fruit of our finances, there are immeasurable blessings in bringing the first fruits of God, of our, of our increase to God. Amen. As our musicians come, I want to read you Malachi 3 and 10. The Bible says, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer, he said. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. He meant the Lord said, if you will take care of me, then I will take care of you. If you will bless me, then I will bless you. He said, prove me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I remember <clears throat> it's been many, many years ago now. Sister Boyd and I were traveling as full-time evangelists and we were preaching a revival and we were in service one night, during service one night. We come home uh, afterward and when we got back to our RV, there were just boxes and bags, grocery sacks back when they were old, just uh, bags. <laughs> not, not, yeah. Paper, there we go, paper. Lord have mercy, are we that far removed from it? I can't even think of what it's called. It's a paper sack. And there were just paper sacks of groceries, and they were, they were just, we were just stunned. We were just stunned. And so we went to taking these groceries into our home, and we were trying to find places to put these groceries in. We just didn't have room to put them, and that's the gospel truth. 
we finally lifted up our bed, and under the bed was a little storage place, and we were just stacking boxes of macaroni. I remember we got 23 boxes of macaroni and cheese. You remember that? <laughs> I love macaroni and cheese. <laughs> or I used to. Anyway. <clears throat> no, I'm just being funny, not ungrateful, not at all. But I remember that night, it was such an humbling experience when we were trying to, we were, we were putting groceries, places that groceries didn't even belong. And I, re, I looked at my wife and I said, I guess this is what the scripture's talking about. I can give you something that you won't even have room to contain it. And do you know to this very day, that's probably, probably been very close to 30 years now, we still don't have any idea who brought that. It, that wasn't important. God just said, I want to show you something. Let me show you. You put me first, and I'll take care of you. I will take care of you. And so these are the blessings. Here is the blessings, and I'm going to list them quickly. He said, there will be, when we do our part, he said, there will be meat in the house of the Lord. He said, you do your part, and I'll open the windows of heaven, and you'll receive a blessing that you cannot contain. And he said, I, the Lord, will rebuke the devourer for your sake and the fruit of your ground will be protected and the fruit of your ground will be preserved because he said there, he said that I will not let the vine cast off her fruit in the field before time. I'm going to hold that. I'm going to preserve that. Amen. He said that your ground will be preserved and others will call you blessed. You will be valuable. That's what God said. If you'll take care of this first fruit business, Amen. We're not talking about just the first fruits of our finances, but the first fruit of our heart, the first fruit of our mind, <clears throat> the first fruit of our path, our ways, and all our ways. We pray, God, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful that you came to the house of the Lord today? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're waiting on just a few of our Sunday school students, so I will close with this story. I wasn't sure if I would have time to share it, but I'll take the time this morning. Jack Kelly was a foreign affairs editor for the USA Today, and he shares this story in a National Press Association convention. He said, we were in Somalia in East Africa during a famine, and it was so bad that we walked into one of the villages, and everybody in that village was dead. There was a stench of death. Jack Kelly said that that particular stench of death, it's a stench that gets into your hair, into your skin, and gets into your clothes, and you just can't wash it off. As they continued to walk through this little village, they saw a little boy. He said you could tell that he had worms and was malnourished and his stomach was protruding. He says when a child is extremely malnourished, the hair turns a reddish color. And the skin becomes wrinkled as though he's 100 years old. With them, he said, our photographer had a grapefruit, which he gave the boy. The boy was so weak that he didn't have strength to hold the grapefruit. So we cut it in half and gave it to him. He picked it up, looked at us as, as if to say thanks, and then began to walk back toward his village. We walked behind him with a distance great enough that he couldn't see us. When he entered the village, there on the ground was a little boy, he said, who I thought was dead. His eyes were completely glazed over. It turns out that the little boy on the ground was his younger brother. The older brother knelt down next to his younger brother, bit off a piece of the grapefruit and chewed it. And then he opened up the mouth of his younger brother, put the grapefruit in and worked his jaws up and down. We learned that the older brother had been doing that for the younger brother for two weeks. A couple of days later, the older brother died of malnutrition, but the younger brother lived. He said, I remember driving home that night thinking, I wonder if this is what Jesus meant when he said, greater love than this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I'm talking about giving to God what we in our flesh would sometimes desire to keep for ourselves. 
But I'm going to unselfishly give my thoughts, my emotions, my passions, my ways, and my finance. I'm going to give that to God. Amen. That's exactly the kind of love that God has for us. Amen. I am thankful for that. And so I am want to be more determined. And so as we begin this 2016, I am more determined than ever before that I do not want to give God what's left over. I, want to give, I don't want to give God what's left from some scraps or crumbs. But I want to give God the very best that I possibly can. The very best that I possibly can. I wonder across this building if we could lift our hands in prayer. Would you ask the Lord to touch your heart? Would you ask the Lord to touch your mind? That you would be conscious. I want to be conscious of what I'm doing for you, Lord. I don't want to give you something that's just secondary. I don't want to give you something, Lord, that's just a hand-me-down. But I want to make sure that what I give you is the very best of the very best. My time. I want to give you my mind in the morning when it's the freshest. I want to give you, Lord, my prayer offering to you. I want to give you that in a moment in the day when I am at my very best. I want to give that to you, Lord. Uh, Of that that you have blessed me to have, of that increase, I want to make sure, Lord, that I give to you, that I calculate that carefully and that I give to you what is deserving, what your scripture teaches us. And then go above and beyond the tithe, Lord. I want to give that free will offering I want to make sure that the kingdom is blessed. I want to make sure that the local church is blessed and that through the local church ministries and missionaries and churches will be built not only in America but around the world. I want to make sure, Lord, I want to make sure, Lord, that I give the very best to you. In Jesus' name, let's magnify him together in song, can we? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.